and welcome to the Master Gardener Hour. I am Anita McKee. I'm actually a new host. I'm joining Cheryl and Rena. So please uh, be patient. I'm just learning, but I think I'm doing actually doing pretty good so far. But just just so you know who I am, I am a um, I'm a Master Gardener. I um, am a certified arborist. I am certified in landscape design, and I am a plant professional, certified plant professional. I have been in landscaping for seven years. I own my, my own company. Um, we install, design and install landscapes, hardscapes, um, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I do not do maintenance. But that's who I am, and um, I'm originally from North Carolina, which this is where I acquired this charming um, accent, and I've lived in Georgia since 1982. Um, uh, today is my first solo hour, and um, we're going to talk about winter interest in the garden. I know that, you know, this time of year we look outside and we see plenty of leaves on the ground. We see trees and shrubs with no leaves or dying leaves. Um, there's not much going on, but you can spruce up your garden and add things that give you winter interest all, you know, when it's not much else is going on, and we're going to talk about that today. Um, a couple of things, uh, you can do that by berries, you can do that by uh, colorful um, branches and stems, uh, you can do that by uh, dried flowers, you can do that by uh, uh Foliage colors, yellows and, and oranges. Um, there's lots of different ways. But I'm just going to give you some examples of things that you can put into your garden. Um, that's going to give you something different. Um, the first one we'll talk about today are viburnums. Uh, viburnums are beautiful. Uh, a lot of people know about snowballs and double files, which you get, you get the boom from those in the spring. But... There's a few that you get something different, um, berries. There is the American cranberry, which has beautiful, bright red berries. And there's also one called the blue muffin. And that will give you bright blue berries, which is a little unusual because when you have berries, you think, okay, they're, they're usually red. But the blue muffin gives just scrumptious blueberries. Um, another one is the, uh, let's see, the chokeberry. There's a couple of ones. Um, it's the Autumn Magic. Uh, that will give you big black berries. There's the black chokeberry, which will yield black purple berries. And then there's the red chokeberry, which will give you the red berries and vibrant fall foliage. Um, you don't see a lot of those, and you don't see a lot of the viburnums in um, landscapes today, but they're unfortunately they're overlooked. Arborvitae, arborvitae, um, they have they're evergreen, and there are there is the yellow ribbon, which you get a bright yellow foliage, and there's also one called the fire chief, which is a bright orange foliage. Um, there are other ones, but these are a little on the unusual side, and uh, you just you just don't see them very often. Another um, 
another plant for uh, berries is the beauty berry. Um, one is called the early amethyst, which you get pink purple berries. And there's one called the profusion, and you get violet berries. They, um, I think I saw one a week ago, and, I mean, the purple was absolutely gorgeous. And it is purple, purple. Not blue, purple, but purple, purple. But um, they, a lot of, they're either they either hold really close to the stem, or they have just a little bit of a stem themselves connected to the branch. And those are the two different kinds that you can look for. Um, let's see, maple, maple. Uh, my favorite is the coral bark maple, which gives has a extremely bright red trunk and branches. And those, and I've seen coral barks that do not have the red um, branches and and trunks, but a lot of times it will depend on where the tree is raised. And usually the ones with the reddest bark is from, they're from the West Coast. And that, a lot of times that's how you can tell what comes from the West Coast and what's not. But those are beautiful, absolutely gorgeous, because it is bright, bright, bright red. Um uh, weeping jet maples. I cannot say enough about weeping jet maples. They, the branching structure, a lot of people say, oh, that doesn't do anything for me. I, I, I really like, I, unfortunately, I don't want those because it doesn't have the leaves. They're not evergreen. But really, when when the branch, when the leaves are all gone and all you see are the, the branches, they're kind of twisty and they create a, an umbrella effect. And they're really quite interesting. I I, I mean, I love them. I have, probably have no less than seven weeping jet maples in my own yard, and I just, I love them. Um, another one is dogwood. You don't see, you don't see the red and yellow stemmed dogwoods very often. I think more and more people are using them, but for a long time you didn't see them, and they, they're, they're more of like a shrubby tree, and they come, the, the, the branches or the, the twigs come straight out from the ground, and it creates, it's like a V-shaped, and they're either bright red or bright yellow. I mean, and they're really quite stunning. But just a few, um, if when you go to the nursery and you're looking for a selection, um, a few of those are the Bailey's Red, which obviously has the red stems. There is the Midwinter Fire, which also has red stems. Uh, the Arctic Fire, which it also has the red stems, and then there's the Bud's Yellow, that has the yellow stems, and they're, I mean, it's a bright canary yellow. Another dogwood that is not, doesn't have the red or the yellow stems, but it's the Coosa Dogwood. Coosa Dogwood, um, it has, the, the flowers on it are, the petals come to a point, but in the winter, you get a bright red raspberry-sized fruit. And I vacationed in September in Maine, and the lady uh, that owned the home that we were staying at, and she had a beautiful garden, by the way. It was just, it was really, really nice. She, the, the fruit on her Coosa dog was, was so big and so red, and I can only attribute that to because it was a colder climate. But it, it's totally different from a regular American dogwood, but it, it does have the big raspberry red fruit. So that, it, it, it's something different. It, it, it's really, really nice. Um, let's see, a few other ones. Uh, witch hazel. 
A lot of people do not use witch hazel, but the flowers are gorgeous. Um, when there's nothing else on the plant, there's no leaves. You do have these beautiful flowers. There's one called the Helena, which has orange flowers, which is this kind of different. Um, it's not kind of different. It's actually very different. You just don't get a lot of orange flowers. There's one called the Arnold's Promise, which has yellow flowers, and it is highly fragrant, highly fragrant. And there's also one called the Sunburst, which has yellow flowers. Another um, another one that is another plant for the garden in the winter is the winterberry. This is actually a holly cousin, and it is it is deciduous. Where hollies are evergreen, um, a few of those are winter red, Jim Dandy, Sparkleberry, and those all yield red berries. Another one. Okay, and let's talk about the cousin, which would be the holly. Now, the ones that produce the fruit are the ilex species. And please remember, if you want berries, you have to have a male and a female or relatively close. It doesn't have to be on your property, but you have to have a male and a female. A lot of the a lot of people don't realize that it, the ones that carry the, the the red red berries are the bigger leaf um, species, not the smaller leaf like the yopon or the caressa or, or uh, some of those, but it's the bigger leaf ones. And I'll we'll go over that list here. Um, a Burford holly is one. Fine line, uh, needlepoint. Luster leaf, American winter berry. We just talked about that. The East Palatka, the Foster, the Savannah, Emily Bruner, Mary Nell, Nellie R. Stevens, um, American, and Possum Hall. Um, there are a few that are a little bit different. They are, let's see, they are the Meserve Blue. The blue barren, and these these have blue green berries, but they have I'm sorry, they have blue green leaves with tips of burgundy, and they yield red berries. There's also one called the blue maid, the blue princess, and the blue prince, and they have purple green leaves and red berries. The um. So, like I said, and make sure that these are the ilex species. Those are the ones that yield the big red berries. And let's see, what else do we have that's close? Another one, firethorn or pyracantha. I don't. People use both words; they interchange them freely. But there's there's two that stand out, and those are the Mojave. And they have white flowers with orange berries. And there's also one called the Yukon Bell, which has the, the orange berries. And please keep in mind that the pyracantha does have thorns. So be very selective about where you plant these. And they do need full sun. A lot, And when I go back to a lot of these ones that I just talked about, the viburnum, the chokeberry, all of these... Most of them like full sun. Some can take dappled shade. And you, you I mean, you'll be fine with those. Um, let's see. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, trees that have twisted branches, which I think are pretty cool. I know we talked about the weeping jet maple. They're not, 
twisted, but they're, it's just kind of irregular, and it has the mushroom-shaped top. But another good one is the, the walking stick tree, which is, um, and they, it does have a fruit. They're like little yellow cattails that hang off of it. It is deciduous, but the branches are extremely twisted. They quit, twist in circles. It's, it, it's, they're just they're all over the place. Now, this particular um, this particular tree is very prone to suckering at the bottom, and those will have to be clipped off. And if you get any branches that are ramrod straight, those are also considered suckers, and those also need to be clipped off. But this is this is quite the stunner for a tree, and it's. I mean, it, if you have one in your landscape, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, another one is the uh, some different varieties of conifers and false cypress. They they the, the the they are evergreen. They're kind of feathery with the branches, and they they get orange and and yellows and or they have yellow tips. There's just a ton of different varieties of those. But but check out what's available in your area and look at those. And a lot of these conifers can take some shade. There's also a blue star juniper, which you know a lot of people are not crazy about junipers, and they are used on hills a lot. But the blue star has bright blue green foliage. It's really nice. Um, I'm not a crazy about junipers, but this one I do like. Um, Loripedlums. Loripedlums. They do have a couple of green varieties, but most of them are have yellow foliage. I'm sorry, purple foliage, and the the flowers are tassel shaped. Um, you know what? Let's stop there because honestly, there's I can talk all day long about Laura Pedlums, but let's stop and take a break. You're listening to the Master Gardener Hour, and we are talking about winter interest in the garden. Quick stakes. That's Q U I K stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q-U-I-K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot Conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
welcome back to the Master Gardener Hour. I am Anita McKee, your host for the day, and we have been talking about winter interest for the garden. Um, we stopped at Laura Pedlam's. I, I just started to get into it, but I thought there's no way that I can say what I've got to say about Laura Pedlam's that quickly, so we're going to pick that up right now. Okay, Laura Pedlam's in the garden. First off, they have most of varieties have beautiful purple foliage. Some have a mixture of purple and green. Some are just green, but for the most part, they they the, the species they do have beautiful, rich purple foliage. And the flowers, usually, which are tassel shaped, are usually pink. Although they're the green varieties that I know of have the white flowers and there is one called the ever red which has a i mean the leaves are like a purple red it is gorgeous have a they also have a red flower and it's also tassel tassel shaped but allura pedlum adds a lot of purple into the garden that you don't normally have. I mean, you can only have so much green, although you get different hues of green and you get different textures that give the different colors, but the purple is extremely nice. There's also a dwarf variety, which is called the Purple Pixie, and it's it's a mounder, and it's the bright purple foliage, and it mount with, in mature, with maturity, it'll mound up to about, oh, two feet. And it also has the, the, the pink flowers on them. But these are, these are really, really nice in a landscape during the winter when there's either sticks, green, and nothing else. But it has beautiful, beautiful purple foliage. I can't say enough about Laura Pedlums. And actually, they have come out with, oh, quite a few this past year. I think one's called Sangria. I don't know that much about it. But but go to your local nursery and look because there's so many different varieties of this of the different shades of purple, and they've also come up with a bunch of um, uh, varieties that are more considered more dwarf-like. Um, let's see another one for the winter garden is the Helleborus, or a lot of people, or they're called Linton roses, and those have been around for a long, long time, and they are a huge favorite with people that have been gardening for years and years and years and the last couple of years they've come out with some really great different varieties with different colored flowers and the flowers that they look up instead of down. The old-fashioned Lenten roses, the flowers were underneath the leaves and you'd have to, so you could barely see them peeking out and they were mostly like a light green that turned to white, but now they have different ones. They have flowers that are red, they are purple red, bright, bright white, but the flowers now, you can see them on top of the foliage, and again, the the foliage is evergreen, so you have that and they do spread, so that's a good thing. The um, the flowers poke at, poke their heads out for everybody to see. They're not hiding underneath the foliage. But Helleborus or Linton roses are fabulous, and they are low growing, so that's so it's not like a tree. I mean, it, they're all low growing. Um, burning bush, you know, I I put it in the list, although this it has absolutely gorgeous flaming red foliage it is in the fall but I, I i had to put it in here anyway i mean it's there it is just 
absolutely gorgeous. And one thing I will say about burning bush is it needs sun. It if you can have you can have a burning bush that the front part of it gets sun, but the back part of it is in shade and it will only turn that bright, bright, bright red if it's in the sun. So a lot of times I've seen a shrub and the front of it is red and the back end, the back side of it is is green. So when you're thinking about where to put that, please put it in the sun because that's what gives you the red, red, red foliage. But so, but in the winter time, no, you don't have any foliage on it, and you don't, you know, you you. you the fall red foliage has passed, although it is a euonymus, and the the stems on it are kind of square. So you you really can't appreciate those unless you're right on top of the shrub. But you know, I guess I had to throw that in because I threw this. It, it's actually a, a fall um, a, a plant that you would admire in the fall. Another one is the redbud tree. Now. They, it, it's actually a spring blooming tree. The, the, it has bright, and I mean bright, bright, bright purple flowers that are tiny, tiny little clusters that are, they, they're, they're clustered along the branches and along the trunk of the tree. And these actually bloom in spring, but sometimes they bloom depending on the weather. They bloom, they bloom in the winter. It's like the late winter if you've had a warm winter, but they are just absolutely gorgeous. And you can, you can go down the street. There's nothing else going on. The forest is bare. They're, you know, of decid- all the deciduous trees have dropped their leaves, and you see these trees with these bright, bright, bright purple little clusters along the branches and the, the trunk. I mean, it really is spectacular. I am fortunate enough to have probably the most gorgeous red bud right down the street from my house, and every winter slash spring, I is. I can't get enough of it. I I drive down the street to my house, and it is just absolutely stunning. I will say this. It is a small tree, uh, you know, 20, 25 feet, and you have to be very careful because if you if it's a newly planted tree and you get a really hard winter, a lot of times it can be damaged, and it won't. It, it takes a long time for it to recover. So just keep in mind, I would not plant it too late into the fall into the winter. But if it's established, you'll get some absolutely stunning, stunning purple flowers. Let's see. Another one is Forsythia. Forsythia is kind of wild. I guess wild is a good way to say it. But the branches are, it comes out, it's like a fountain, and it comes out um in like early spring, late winter, again, depending on the weather, but it has gorgeous, bright canary flowers on the stems. At that time, there'll be no foliage, but it is just bright, bright, bright yellow, and there are thousands of flowers on the branches. These uh, these do spread. A lot of times, it's like a hydrangea. It, if the branch hits the ground and it sits there long enough, it will root in, so be careful about that. And also remember with Forsythia, 
it blooms on old wood. So the best time to prune something like this is after the flowers, not in the fall. Don't do that in the fall. You're going to cut off your flowers. But it has absolutely gorgeous, bright yellow flowers. Um, Let's see. Uh, Daphne. Daphne is a... Daphne... Has, let's see, it's an evergreen. It comes in, it has variegated leaves or it has just, just green leaves, but they flower in the wintertime and it can get quite large actually. I have not seen that many that have gotten that big, but I do have a neighbor that has like four or five in her front yard and they are huge. I don't know how long they've been there, but they are absolutely huge. But the, they have different kinds of color flowers. Uh, there are some with purple, some with red, some with white, and some with pink flowers. And there are actually a, a few that have a combination of those colors. But these flowers are highly, highly fragrant. I mean, they smell heavenly. I want to make give you one warning about Daphne is they do not like wet feet. They do not like wet feet. So if you plant these, plant these on a slight incline so the water can drain off of the roots. But don't, I mean, I, I've had these in my landscape in two different locations, and they died. And you know what? The, the thing about, these are like, these remind me of rhododendrons. You can put them in the landscape. They look fabulous one day, and they are dead as a doornail the next day. Or they, they're not completely, but the but the, the leaves are starting to shrivel up, and a lot of people who don't know think that there's it needs water, and they start pouring the water on, and that's the absolute worst thing that you can do for a Daphne because it does not like wet feet. But do, please plant these, mound these up, plant these up, or put them on an incline so the water can drain off. But I tell you, this, it, the, the fragrance is absolutely heavenly. Another one for the winter landscape is Mahonia. Now, there are two different kinds. There is the leather leaf with the big it's a real big, thick leaves, and it's got quite a few points on it, so they will stick you. But they do have beautiful, it has a yellow flower, and it has bright, bright, bright blueberries. Of course, the birds love them, and that's why you see Mahonia coming up in the forest by fences, places like that, because the birds eat the berries, and then they go do their business and they'll drop a berry and that's where you'll get a new one. But the it's it the berries are absolutely gorgeous blue and the flowers are pretty nice too. And they kinda come out like tassels. Um but it's really a nice one. And there's another one and this has only been out for about three or four years, but it's called a soft caress mahonia and it's a smaller version and the leaves are thin and long, but it's kind of fuzzy looking. But it also has the bright yellow flowers that pop out of the top like a, a tassel and it's they're extremely nice. You you don't have to worry about this this the, the, the pricks on the leaves like you do a leather leaf. But these are really, really nice, and they do like shade. Not They can take deep shade, but they can also take bright light. But you can't put them out in full sun. They just, they just, they will not do well at all. But those are, Mahonia are really, really nice. Another one is Yucca. Yucca is like a, I want to say it's, it, 
there you would think that they survive only in arid climates, but they do not. There are quite a few in um, the south that do very well. Depending on the weather, the leaves actually hold up pretty well, but they're variegated and they they're very erect. They straight up. It's like a oh, like the shape of a like a snow cone across the top. There are points on the end, and they are variegated with either white or yellow, and they it's, it's, it's a totally different texture, and it's a totally different look in a, in a landscape when there's nothing else going on. But a lot of times, if you get a really, really cold winter, the the the, the leaves will shrivel and they won't be as erect. And in the in the springtime, just cut those off at the bottom, and then it will flower. And, I mean, it will it will relief back out and send out new shoots. But that's it. That's totally different. So it, it reminds me of the desert. Another one, um, another group is the Nandinas, and they they're and they're different varieties. Um, one is called the Firepower, and it is a shorter version, although I have seen them get to be about three feet tall or so. But the foliage in the fall and the winter are bright, bright, bright red. They're really they're really very nice. I um, I have some in my front yard, and they it just adds that pop of red when there's nothing else going on. And they actually look good with my pink brick. Um, another Nandina, a couple of more Nandinas, which uh, give you bright red berries. And you see a lot of people use them in their their uh, uh, Christmas decorations and on their wreaths and their banisters and their, on their, their mantles are the, the Gulfstream Nandina and Heavenly Bamboo. They produce gorgeous clusters of red berries. Well, we're going to take a break. And we'll talk more about winter interest in the garden, and you're listening to the Master Gardener Hour. Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Master Gardener Hour. I am Anita McKee, your host for the day. Today we have been talking about winter interest in the garden. I think we left off at, um, I think we were talking about Nandinas, actually. We went over firepower with the fabulous red foliage. Then we moved on to heavenly bamboo and Gulf Stream, which yield beautiful red berries. They actually come out white first, which are pretty nice and a lot of times you'll get a combination of both and a lot of people use those for uh, decorating for Christmas their mantles staircases wreaths so so forth and so on but those are those give great winter interest when nothing else is going on I will say this about and I want it, to it, it's not talking about interest but I just want to just make a point 
a lot of when I had a pruning show, uh, I think a month or so ago with Cheryl, and we talked about pruning. And I, I just want to warn people when they do prune a like a Gulf Stream or a Heavenly Bamboo, because they get tall and all of the stalks get to be about the same height. When you prune an Andina, you have to do it in layers. The the front layer is the lowest, and it goes up, 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 up. That way. You'll have foliage. The whole plant will be completely covered in foliage in the spring when it leaves, when it leaf, you know, has the new growth. But a lot of times you'll go by and they're only trimming the top of, let's say, the heavenly bamboo. And you've got these sticks sticking out of the ground and you just have the foliage on the top. So that's why that's happening because they're being pruned in properly so i just wanted to throw that in there i just it, it i just can't help myself um let's see next on the list edgeworthia or paper bush i've heard it called both names it goes by both names but this is a deciduous shrub um and in the spring late winter it has upside down white clust- clusters of flowers they um, it, and there, it's kind of cool looking because you've got this stick and when you pick one of these out make sure you get one with that has a really cool branching structure and just be be particular about it because that will make all the difference in the world so you've got this you've got this great plant with the branching structure that kind of goes out horizontal on the top and and then how you have these upside down white flower clusters hanging from those branches and it's very very cool the foliage in it when it's in the spring when it leaves back out it has a medium color green foliage they're kind of long gated and it's just a, it's a really nice shrub but a lot of people do not know about it it's very underused in the garden and it's just something different i mean it it There's nothing boring about this shrub at all. Um, The next is spiceberry. Spiceberry, nice shrub. It yields gorgeous red berries. They, um, there's a caterpillar that loves this. It's called a, I think it's called a spice bush cat um, butterfly. This is what the um, the adults lay their eggs on, and it has. But like I said, in the winter, it has absolutely gorgeous red berries. I do want to back up to let's see the winter berry. One thing I did not uh, make a comment about earlier: the winter berry, which is a deciduous plant, it is a cousin of a holly, but the the berries are. All up and down the stems that are coming out of the ground. So it's it's not only is it a great shape, it kind of goes up and blossoms out, kind of like the top of a fountain. But it's got all these berries that go up and down the branches. And I just I don't think I mentioned that earlier, but it's extremely cool looking in the landscape in the wintertime. Not only for the red berries, but just the branching structure of the, the plant itself. Let's see another one. A camellia japonica, camellia or a camellia sasanqua. They're cousins. A camellia has a larger leaf. These are all evergreens. And then a sasanqua has a smaller leaf. They have a variety of different sizes, shapes, flower color. But these, depending on the variety, these will bloom in the fall and in the winter, depending, and also the weather will impact whether it blooms now, later. It's just it's all weather related. But 
I was driving by a few landscapes the other day, and they had some shishigashira sasanquas, and these are low-growing. They can get to have some height on them, but it takes a long time because these are all very slow-growing. But they were full of pink flowers. There's also one called that's got a similar branching structure that's kind of low. It's called a hot flash. Gosh forbid, ladies, we know all about that. But these are pink with pink red with a yellow center and those are also very very nice there's also one called a bonanza the the leaf on this one's a little it's a sasanqua but it's a little bit rounder and it also gets the beautiful pink flowers but the shrub itself it it gets to be a little bit larger um Gosh, let's see. I mean, there are so many different kinds of camellias and camellia sasanquas, but and they come in oh red, Professor Sargent's pink, Kinjiro, uh, white, uh, Nuccio's gem, uh, white by the gate. I mean, there's just tons and tons of different varieties of camellias. Please note when you if you do want one in your landscape, look at the plant tag. Go on the internet, check it out because a lot of these get absolutely huge one um i I will note cheryl um another one of our hosts she has the most gorgeous i can't really remember if it's a camellia or a camellia sasanqua but they are right outside her back door and this thing is absolutely huge and it is absolutely gorgeous and it is there are so many blossoms on this thing in the winter time i mean it's Stunning, absolutely stunning. And I think hers are white and the edges are pink. And I don't know the name of that one. I'm sorry. But anyway, if you get a chance to use anything in your landscape, please check out Camellias or Camellias Sasanquas. They are just absolutely fabulous. You just can't go wrong with these. And I just like, I love berries, but I love blossoms in the um, the wintertime. One note, and it's it's just, I guess it's a pet peeve. Um, and it, this also applies to azaleas, just for the, the flower color. But just when, remember, when you're picking out a camellia or a sasanqua, if you want one that blooms white, please remember, as that flower diminishes, it turns brown, and it's not as it just it's not as attractive on the the plant as it ages and as it as it uh, dies just remember that you're going to get a lot of brown on those white flowers and a lot of people do not like that so keep that in mind although i mean all of the other ones do too the pinks and the reds and all of that but it's just not as noticeable as with the 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 varieties that bloom white um star magnolia and a tulip magnolia first we're going to talk about the star the star has white flowers it's a smaller magnolia it's a beautiful beautiful tree absolutely beautiful and it's got those it's got the white flowers that pop out in the winter time it's it if you're looking for a small tree this is the one for you and you want those flowers it's just absolutely gorgeous the tulip magnolia is and a I think, and I think another name people call it the Japanese magnolia, but the flowers are absolutely huge. They are purple. You get them in late winter, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. So you've got this tree, you have no leaves on it whatsoever, and you've got these gorgeous big purple pink blossoms, and they're very fragrant, by the way. Um, let's see another magnolia. I will let's see. Another magnolia, like the southern magnolia, they 
I think a little gem, that's a smaller variety. But they also have big white blossoms. Um, Southern Magnolia is really awful about losing the leaves in June, and that's why I ripped three of them out of my landscape because I got so sick and tired of pulling out leaves from my out of my pond, these magnolia leaves. But those also have absolutely gorgeous white flowers, very fragrant, very fragrant. But um, you can't go wrong with a star magnolia or a tulip magnolia. Um, a sapphire berry. Sapphire berries have beautiful blueberries, absolutely. And I'm sorry, purple blueberries, my, my mistake. And that's that. you don't see that in, in the landscape very often. But those absolutely have beautiful berries. A lot of people love dried flowers for winter interest. I personally, because I'm a type A, I'm out there first thing snipping off the dried flowers off my hydrangeas. I can't help it. You can call me whatever you want to call me, but that's just the way it's going to be. But a lot of people do, they do love them. And a lot of these flowers, they are, um, they still have some color to them. They have a little bit of pink and blue, but they, they, some people like them, but they, the blossoms, especially if they're one of the mop heads, the, not so much the lace caps, but the mop heads, and it's just a big cluster of brown flowers. It's just like dried arrangements, and a lot of people like that. Like I said, I, I can't do it. I just cannot do it. it it's, I have to run out there first chance I get and take those blossoms off. Um, let me go back. Let me go back over the list. Um, for the people that are just now joining us and that missed the list earlier, we're just going to touch on it br- briefly about plants for the for winter interest. We're not going to go into a lot of detail. But again, the viburnums, the two that stand out are the blue muffin, which has bright blueberries, and the American cranberry, which have the bright red berries. And those are the viburnums. Viburnums, people need to use these more in the landscape. They have gorgeous flowers. Not only the winter interests, they have, I mean, they, they have a lot to give a, a garden. And you, and the snowball viburnum, just so you know, a lot of people in the spring, early summer, they'll be go, they'll drive down the road and they'll see a snowball viburnum and say, oh my gosh, look at that gorgeous hydrangea. It's not. These blossoms are absolutely huge. They're a big, it's just a big, round, white ball, and they're absolutely gorgeous. But definitely check out the blue muffin and the American cranberry if you want the the berries for the viburnums uh we went back we talked about the the chokeberry and the the three that are that come to mind are the the autumn magic which has the blackberries the black chokeberry which has the black purple berries and the red chokeberry which have the red berries and they have really bright fall foliage that's really nice uh arborvitaes there's a ton of different arborvitaes a lot of them just stay green not that exciting although they are a beautiful tree but two that have exceptional foliage is the yellow ribbon, which that's yellow foliage, and the fire chief, which is orange foliage. And you don't see a lot of orange foliage in the garden, especially in the wintertime. Fall you do, but not the wintertime. Beautyberry, uh, the two that pop out are the, the early amethyst, which has a pink purple berry, and the profusion, which has a violet berry. And those are along the the branches, which they kind of they're like a like a fountain. That's the shape of it, and it go it just it, it, it weeps. It goes up and out, and it looks like a big fountain. But the the berries stay close to the um, to the branches. Really, they're 
they're quite stunning, actually. Beautyberry also has a white, one with a white berry, but again, when the the white berry fades, it's not that attractive. And that to me is just it, it is pretty in the landscape, but it's not my favorite. Well, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk more about winter interests in the garden on the Master Gardener Hour. Quick stakes. That's Q U I K stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q-U-I-K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Today's consumers find themselves faced with a greater variety of choices than ever before, both in the food they eat and the information they receive about that food. Feedstuff's FoodLink was created to provide you with a balanced source of information for making decisions about your family's balanced diet. Visit FeedstuffsFoodLink.com to learn about your food directly from the source, the people who work every day to provide it. FeedstuffsFoodLink.com, connecting farm to fork. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Master Gardener Hour. I am Anita McKee, your host for the day, and we have been talking about winter interest in the garden when nothing else is going on except for leaves all over the ground, sticks out of the ground, nothing nothing exciting. But you can have a beautiful garden in the winter, and that's what I'm here to help you with. We were actually just kind of going back over what we talked about earlier for people that are just now joining us. But we wanted I wanted to touch again on maples. There are two two maples that I just love, love, love. I love maples, period. I, I, I don't, I, you can't have enough. They're just, they're just a fabulous tree. But the coral bark maple has red, flaming red trunk and branches. Now, I have seen there I have seen a lot of coral bark bark maples that do not have the flaming red bark. It depends on where you buy or where it originates from. A lot of the coral barks that have the really bright 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 red um, bark are from the west coast and it just depends on where they're raised so when you're shopping for one and a lot of times it's a, a, an exposure helps if you, the more sun they get the redder it gets at least that's what i've read but i've also been told that that's not the case so I d- i'm not trying to steer you wrong but i i think we just need to research that a little bit more but the coral bark, I mean, if you've got it in the center of a bed as your showcase, it is a specimen plant. You, It's just flaming, flaming red. It's absolutely gorgeous. There are no leaves on it, and the leaves are actually, they're beautiful. They, it, has a, it has a light green, yellowish leaf. It's totally different. People should use these more often in the landscape. I use them all the time, and I just absolutely love them. I don't have one now. I actually, I had one in a pot for a long time, and it was just 
just beautiful, and I had it for a while, and I was doing a landscape for somebody, and I could not find a coral bark that was the perfect size because I needed one with a branch union that was a little bit higher up on the on the trunk, and so I I let this girl have mine, and I have not replaced it. But you know, you have to do what you have to do when you're trying to make everybody happy. Another one, again, weeping jet maples. I have quite a few varieties. They have fabulous branching structure. It will not have any leaves, and that's all that you will see. But it's just it's just very graceful in the landscape with just, just it's just the structure. That's all it is. Make sure you uplight it just because of that reason, because it has beautiful leaves, especially I like the lace caps. But um, it's just different, absolutely different. Uh, the dogwoods, let's see. There's the red and yellow stem dogwoods. A few notables are the Bailey's red, obviously red, the midwinter fire red, Arctic fire red, and then the yellow one that is quite noteworthy is the Bud's yellow, and those are really nice. And again, uh, don't forget the Coosa dogwood, which has bright red raspberry fruit on the tree. No leaves, but we'll have these red balls all over. And the after spending a week in Maine in September, and there were two on the property that I was staying at. She had a fabulous garden, I might add. She, she had the biggest fruit on Acusa that I have ever seen. I wish mine got that big, but I do have one. But it, the fruit is nowhere as big as what she had on hers. But that's a really nice one. Witch hazel, again, uh, orange, if you want orange flowers, get a Helena. If you want yellow flowers, get an Arnold's Promise or a Sunburst. And just note that the Arnold's Promise is highly, highly fragrant. So you get you get two you get a double whammy on that one. We went back over winterberry. It's it's a cousin of the holly. It is deciduous. It has the branches that are. It, it's not a it's not a main leader coming out. Well, it does have a leader, but you have more of the the branches that comes directly out of the soil. But the 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 berries are along the the branches, all up and down the branches. It's kind of like a fountain shaped. But one a couple that are noteworthy are the winter red, the Jim dandy, and the sparkleberry. I mean, really nice in the landscape. All those red berries are fabulous. Uh, again, holly, uh, the ilex species has all of the red berries. They and there are a few that even have um, a, a blue-green leaves or purple leaves. But just look for the ilex species. It's usually the ones with the bigger leaves, like the Burford, the the, the needlepoint, the fine line, luster leaf, American. Uh, East Palatka, Foster, Savannah, Emily Bruner, Mary Nell, Nellie R. Stevens. Those are the ones, the bigger varieties, that um, have the bright red berries. And please remember, there's you've got to have a male and a female close by in order to get the red berries. So you have, may have to go on a, a, a holly hunt to see what you've got and inquire at the nursery as to what species it is. But you... the, the the um the the females get the berries and you need a boy close by. Uh, let's see. Okay, blue. There is a holly called Meserve Blue and Blue Baron. It has blue green leaves with tips of burgundy, and those have red berries. And there's one that's called the Blue Maid, Blue Princess, and the Blue Prince. Those have 
purple green leaves and red berries. I cannot say that I've seen a lot of these. They're unusual. You may have to go to a specialty nursery to find these, but they are very, very different. Um, again, we talked earlier about firethorn or pyracantha. Beware of the thorns. They love sun. They are evergreen. And two notables are Mojave Yukon Bell has the orange berries, and the Mojave has white flowers with orange berries. Um, oh gosh, we talked about. Oh gosh, we talked about so many today. But walking stick. Just I'm just going to list these for right now. Walking stick tree. I will talk about that a little bit because it has those gnarly, gnarly twisted branches. It reminds you of an old lady with. I shouldn't say that because I'm an old lady, but an old lady with you know that twisted finger and she's pointing it at you or whatever. You see that in on TV and movies and stuff. But it has yellow cattails that hang off of the the tree, and it is deciduous, and you've got these fabulous, fabulous twisted branches. And another note, they sucker really bad. So when you see them coming off the base, cut them off. Or if you've got one that you think is just a regular branch and it's ramrod straight, because this does have twisted branches, cut it off. That's a sucker. And that's usually a, a telltale sign is because they're coming out straight. Although I have seen suckers coming off the base of mine that are twisted, but you need to take them off because those will zap the energy from the plant before the top of the tree gets it. Um, conifers, false cypress, blue star juniper, loripedlums. We talked a lot about that because of the fabulous purple foliage. Helleborus or Linton roses, you know, new varieties. The flowers are up, different colors instead of down underneath the foliage like the old-fashioned ones. Burning bush, brilliant foliage, although it does bloom in the fall, but depending on the weather, it could extend into the winter. Redbud tree, fabulous purple flowers. I mean, just stunning in the landscape because of those tiny little purple clusters along the branches and the trunk. Just gorgeous. If you want to see the best one, come to my house. I'll show it to you this winter and then spring. Uh, for Cynthia, yellow flowers, fragrant blooms on old wood. So if you're going to trim it, you trim it after it flowers. Uh, kind of a fountain shape, beautiful. Daphne, all kinds of different colors. Doesn't like wet feet. Put them on a slope so it can drain away. Mahonia, the leather leaf with the, the big, thick, sticky leaves. And then there's the soft caress, which is fuzzy and short and cute. Yucca, Nandina firepower, tons of other Nandinas also with berries. Edgeworthia and paperbush. I'm going to light on that one more time because a lot of people don't use it. Deciduous. Pick one that has great branching structure. Flowers are in the wintertime. Upside-down yellow clusters. So you've got this great plant that's got horizontal branching and these little flowers upside down. Really, really, really cool. Spiceberry, red berries. Again, I can't talk enough about the camellia and camellia sasanqua. Tons of different sizes, tons of different um, flower colors. They're fabulous. You cannot go wrong with these. Very slow growing. Um, and by the way, a camellia likes more shade. It's got the bigger leaf. And the camellia sasanqua can take more sun. So when you're looking at exposure, think Keep that in mind. Star magnolia, white flowers. Tulip magnolia, purple pink flowers. Gorgeous, gorgeous. I have one in my yard. Sapphire berry, purple blueberries. I actually received a couple of emails from people, um, various different questions. One is related, one is not. One of the one of the emails, somebody wants to know, does a red and yellow dogwood and a coral bark maple 
is the color on the twigs, the, the color of the, the, the stems and the branches and the trunk, is it dependent on soil? Is it a pH issue? What determines it? Well, actually, these plants are um, genetically, they're they they have they've taken the parent plant i guess i should say some more about that they've taken the parent plant and they've made hybrids out of it and that and they've bred these they've you know through you know trials and experimentations or whatever and that's where the color comes from sometimes a lot of it is more climate influenced the color if it's a deeper yellow lighter yellow but it's not it's not a soil it's not soil it's more climate and they are bred to have those different colored stems um and again the coral bark look for one in the winter it doesn't have to be the winter time but look for one for the reddest bark that you can find because those are the ones that come from the west coast i also have got an email from somebody that wanted to know completely unrelated but it's winter interest because it's one of the few flowers we do have in the winter are pansies um they want to know what they can do about deer and rabbits in their garden eating their pansies right and left they get a blossom the pan you know the the bunnies come back. They heard the dinner bell. They're back to have some more. And I tell my customers when I install flowers, I tell them to, and Home Depot is the best place for this, and I'm sure Lowe's carries it also. But there's a product called Liquid Fence, and those it is it stinks to high heaven. So I am warning you now, you a you need to follow the instructions. B, you need to wear a glove on the hand that you use to spray this because if you do not, you will not have friends the rest of the day, I promise you, because this stuff smells to high heaven, high heaven. It is, and when you spray it, you'll smell it and you'll think, oh my gosh, nobody's going to come to my house. It smells like, it smells like the barnyard or whatever you want to call it, but it will dissipate and it won't smell after the first day, but it really smells bad. The bunnies can smell it and the deer can smell it because they're right on top of the plant, but if you follow the instructions, spray these on your pansies, around your pansy beds, You it will definitely take care of the, the bunnies. It's supposed to take care of the deer. This particular person who sent the email said he uses cayenne pepper on his pansies, and so far the deer are not bothering them. So... I guess it works. I don't know. I don't have deer in my yard. I have plenty, plenty, plenty of bunnies, and I have plenty of um, other kind of varmints, but I do not have have deer. But I know there are other things on the market that uh, take care of deer. I just can't vouch for them. I just don't know. But I know Liquid Fence is great. Well, this is the end of the Master Gardener Hour. I'm Anita McKee, your new host. I apologize for all the ums and the pauses, but I'm just learning, and I'll do my best. I'll actually go home this weekend, and I'll listen to the show and probably feel bad about myself, but it's the only way I'm going to learn. So please forgive me, and please um, have patience. But thanks again for listening to the Master Gardener Hour. I hope you can come up with some great winter interest plants for your garden.